The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Jr. Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Well, good week once again. Welcome to episode 8 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast. My name is Chris Falco. He's Brandon Crow. All things Wheat Kings. The Weekly Harvest Podcast now got a sponsor. Proudly brought to you by Mainline Motors in Verdon and Bertle. That's where they make buying the new or new-to-you trucks fun. Uh, stop in and see them uh, just off Highway 1 in Verdon uh, or up in Bertle for all your new or used vehicle needs. Uh, ironically enough, the general manager... Former Weeking Derek LeBlanc. There so you go. There's a bit of a connection there. He's also former Calgary Hitman under current head coach Dave Lowry. He said to me at the Sportsman's Dinner, the only reason he sponsored it was because he wants to come on and talk Dave Lowry. <laughs> Dave okay. told me that I'm not allowed on the bus if I allowed him on here. <laughs> he said, or if I do, he's got to be able to come back and have a little rebuttal. So we could have a little back and forth between Derek LeBlanc and his former coach Dave Lowry. But a big thanks to, to Mainline Motors. What a week. Just one game. Uh, but of course, but it was big, still a very busy week. The sportsman's dinner kind yeah. of took off the, uh, you know, took the majority of uh, the efforts of of the business staff for the hockey club. Uh, Bob McKenzie, a, a great speaker, a great dinner as always. All the funds going to the uh, education uh, fund to help these guys uh, move on in their careers outside of hockey. Uh, Bob is our special guest this week. We were able to grab him. What a hectic day for him, and for him to put aside like twelve. 15 minutes just for us in the middle of it all that was pretty impressive yeah which you'll you'll hear in the interview with bob mckenzie in a little bit uh, what a whirlwind day it was for him but uh, so gracious of his time to do that for us it was it was really good to talk to him certainly was Uh, he didn't have to uh he snuck in after his speech and before the comedian uh we just got it done it was uh, great we could have gone on that that this one was one of ones that we could have gone on for an hour but he had quite the day of travel and we had to get him back to his actual regularly scheduled program (laughs) but uh, just one game this week yeah and it was a tough loss a two nothing lead Five minutes to go against Medicine Hat back on Friday. The Tigers come back and tie it, and they score just 18 seconds into overtime. Uh, just a frustrating overtime. You don't really you get possession for about two seconds. A bad turnover, unfortunately, ends up in the back of your net. But uh, you know, on the bright side, a great night. Uh, of course, organ donation over ten thousand dollars raised with the specialty jerseys. The honor to Connor Gutenberg as well for his 300th game. All around, great crowd. Just one of those nights where, despite the loss, a lot of people went home happy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. I mean, right from the pregame ceremony with that uh, real nice ceremony with Connor Gutenberg, I uh, got a real nice ovation. And it was good to do that on this night, especially because this was the, I believe, the the fourth biggest crowd of the season, uh, which was, you know, obviously nice to have uh, in of itself. But for that night, for Connor Gutenberg, the reception he got, uh, and then and even uh, uh, what was his name? Little little Owen who came out there for the puck drop. Uh, little six year old Wyatt who was he was, he was there on the organ donation. Uh, he's on the on the waiting list. Um, he got a great round of applause as well. So it was a real special night for the pregame ceremony. A lot of fun. Uh, even had the choir singing. And then once the game got underway, it was one of those games where after the second period was over. And we didn't have that second period collapse. We were kind of like, okay, we made it through a second period without without playing poorly. And then when they got that uh, that power play goal uh, to, to break the shutout with a couple of minutes left, I don't know about how you and Pete were in the broadcast booth, but to us over there, as soon as they scored that first goal, we just, everybody kind of sat back and went, uh-oh. 
I, just yeah. kind of felt like something. It wasn't like it was just now two one. You just felt like something actually turned in the game, and it did. And the Tigers don't quit. I mean, there's a reason why they're one of the highest scoring teams in the Eastern Conference. They don't need much time to score a lot of goals. Uh, they've showed it even going back a week before. Brandon had a four one lead. They scored twice in the final couple of minutes to make it interesting. Uh, you just knew they were going to try and, and uh, tie it. Brandon had beat him in three straight this year, so uh, you knew the Tigers were going to mount to come back. They did, and you know, talking to Dave Lowry, and you'll hear him in a second. You know, he wasn't disappointed with the effort. He was just disappointed in the outcome. Really liked the way his team played, and, and Pete and I, you know, we thought to, you know the team did everything they could to give themselves an opportunity to win. The Tigers just got the edge. Uh, here's uh, Dave Lowry post game Friday night. Yeah, I thought that uh, you know we we were in control of the hockey game. They had a they had a pretty good second period. They pushed pucks to the goal line. We spent a lot of time in our zone. We didn't get pucks out when we had opportunities, and, and uh, we spent a lot of time defending. What did you see in that last five minutes in particular? I saw a power play goal goal go in. I saw you know a breakdown in in D zone coverage. Uh, let's keep one thing in in perspective here. These guys score a lot of goals. We've done a real good job playing them all year. You know when when you get uh, three wins and one overtime loss against a, a team of that caliber, we'll take it. And uh, we knew that they were going to come in tonight. We knew that uh, it was going to be a hard-fought game. And uh, we got exactly what we expected. He summed it up perfectly right there. You know, if you, like, like Dave said, if you were to look back and tell him, okay, here's how these four games are going to go, you'd say, okay, that's not bad. It is a heartbreaking way to lose the game in the last couple of minutes like that. But overall, getting that one point, just like we talked about last week, every point is so crucial, especially because, just like we said, Winnipeg still will not lose uh, PA. And we were looking at the schedule coming up, and uh, it does not get very easy for the Wheat Kings here. Certainly doesn't. 17 games left. We'll go into a little bit further detail, kind of outlining the remaining teams in that East Division pennant race uh, when we come back uh, in our final segment of today. Uh, this week's episode but uh, first we got to throw it over to the man who's slowly retiring it's going to be a sad day when he's officially done at TSN. kind of you know what i was really happy to hear of the like of his future he's plans just cutting back yeah he's not officially gone he's, he's not leaving as you're going to hear uh, right here uh it's bob mckenzie Everybody, every young broadcaster's dream, a chance to sit down with them. You and I got to achieve that. Hopefully uh, you enjoy what uh, what the Bob father had to say uh, to us here uh, on uh, the night of a, a busy sportsman's dinner. Weekly Harvest presented by Verdon Mainline Motors in Birdle, Birdle and uh, Verdon, uh, the king of trucks in southwestern Manitoba, and a very special guest on this week's episode, TSN insider and longtime hockey personality over 40 years in the business, Bob McKenzie, who's in town for the sportsman's dinner First off, Bob, what a day you had today. Of all your travel days, uh, this had to be a real hectic one. Just trying to walk us through it a little bit. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of normal, actually. Uh, had a 7 a.m. flight out of LaGuardia into Toronto for 8.30. Um, clear customs, grabbed the flight to Winnipeg. It was on time, but then you get on the plane and an hour and 45 minutes for de-icing and taxiing and what have you. So, you know what? It was actually pretty good. And the weather, the weather here was clear and cold. I was actually hoping for like really cold weather because usually when it's that cold, you tend not to get as much snow. And uh, so anyways, uh, landed in Winnipeg. It was beautiful. I missed my nap, my travel day nap a little <laughs> bit, but uh, still managed to relax for a half hour at the hotel in Winnipeg and then hopped in a vehicle and uh, drove here. So... It's uh, just another day in hockey. 
you know, it, it would have been stressful for you to have to go through a day of travel that, but speaking on behalf of the organizers of the Sportsman's Dinner, it's probably that's, even a little more. That's what I, I said. As happy as I was to be here, not as happy as Rick Dillabo was that I made it here. So, <laughs> he was uh, well, I think Dilly but, lost about 20 pounds this week just sweating. <laughs> yeah, to get here. Every so often, Kelly McCrimmon would send me a text saying, I don't know if Rick's going to make it or not. <laughs> <laughs> They've but, got a defibrillator over but there. It, you know what? It, just first let me say, it was so great for Kelly and Rick to reach out, and uh, this was a great honor because the Wheat Kings are one of the iconic junior hockey franchises in Canada, and you need only look at the list of the alumni and um, the, the teams they've had, and uh, yeah, that's just happy to be here. Obviously, the team's been around a long time, and you've seen players from every generation back to you know the Boschman prop, Allison Derlego, right to Nolan Patrick, Kale Clegg, and that sort of group. Uh, you know, if you had to look back, who in your mind probably the most iconic Wheat King? When you think Brandon Wheat Kings, who's the first name that comes to mind? Well, I have to say Ray Ferraro because if I don't, he's gonna. <laughs> he's gonna. Of course, I work with Ray, and um, you know, I don't know if there's one necessarily. You guys would know better than me. Help me out here, Ron I was, Hextall. I was, yeah, Hexy. Um, I was looking at the the list before I came, and and that was one of the things that kind of jumped out at me. But f- as as a as somebody in Eastern Canada who followed the WHL, but not like every single game, but what what Prop Allison and Boschman right. were doing at the time, the numbers they were putting up, and and I joke about Ray, but like 108 goals. Think about it. It'll never be matched. 108 goals. I, not to nerd out, uh, I'm a bit of an NHL player on the PS4. I played an entire season as a Wheat King because you play and you kind of get, right. you know, and you hopefully get drafted high. I played every game in the year. Pretty good. Video game numbers, I scored like 80-some goals. I'm like, how did Ray do that in real life? It's, it's, it's something that probably won't be touched. It was different. But the thing is, if it was that different, everybody would have done it. <laughs> You're right. right. And that, so we always joke because like somebody will say, that, that guy scored 76 goals in one year and Ray go so 76 that's a pretty good year it's not 108 but and and he was joking about you know getting honored or whatever and I, I said to him well I said clearly you didn't understand that in order to be honored by the Wheat Kings you got to score 110 so that's your fault for coming up short <laughs> only round numbers uh, you obviously have a uh, connection as well with uh, Darren Dreger former radio yes. guy here of course Darren Millard was a radio yes. guy here as well and if you may not know this maybe you do Jim Houston actually worked in Brandon CKLQ for about six months before he took off to Yorkton and, and moved on. But the, the connections you have to Brandon, they just seem to be in every corner of that TSN office. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. So, uh, no, it's terrific. Does Darren mention the Brandon Wheat Kings at all back in the day when you had oh, yeah. We, 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 yeah, we talk like all the time about that stuff. And I, I, I joked in my, my speech to, you know, he'll say, oh, yeah, and me and Kramer used to do this. <laughs> or, you know, and, and, of course, Kevin Sheveldayoff has gone on to be a of GM course. in the National Hockey League. Chevy was here. Tough, tough, tough defenseman. I remember his draft. It was his draft. He blew his knee out, I think. I forget. You know, it was after he got drafted. He had a, he had a really bad, uh, really bad leg and knee injury that really, you know, limited what he could do in in professional hockey. Um, but yeah, there's uh, it's all over the place. And you know, Ron Hextall goes on to be a GM. You've got Kelly now, so it's uh, it doesn't just put great players in the National Hockey League, great executives and coaches. Well, and I was I was going to say like, like we've talked about a lot of the the names that have gone on to have legendary careers, but even the current crop of former Wheat Kings that are in the NHL right now, oh, yeah, there's Braden Shen, 
Mark Stone, Ivan Mark, Provorov. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Provy, when he was here, was one of my oh, favorite defensemen to watch because you absolutely. could just tell he was He was too good different. for the Western Hockey League. Right, yeah. Is there, you know, is there a big difference in what you see now? Are players more ready to step right into an NHL role than they were maybe 20 years ago? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, the way the kids train now. And, yeah. and I was just reading a story today about Provorov and, and, you know, his absolute maniacal... Oh. Eating, eating, training, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they were saying he's got a coach for this and a coach for that. and it, it, But just across the board, the kids today are so much more physically prepared. Um, it's just the way the game has changed and everybody's so much more serious at a younger age. I think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. I think it, it's obviously good. But I think, too, that somewhere along the line, you know, I don't want to say that for all that make it, there's probably a bunch that kind of burn out, too, that maybe don't make it but have that maniacal fascination with all that attention to detail. Sometimes they just need to be kids. You know, my dad mentioned to me we were watching a game around Christmas time, and he always asked me, he said, you wonder, does Dave Lowry give Adam a hard time after a game for a bad shift? And then your son happened to be on Hockey Night Canada that night. My dad goes, I wonder if Bob gives his son a hard time after a bad stand-up or a, a rough open is it tough for you to watch your kid on Hockey Night in Canada? It's tough for my wife. Uh, she usually walks out of the room. She doesn't like watching him live because she's afraid he might make a mistake. <laughs> and um, you know what? It, it, when he was first starting out, I was a lot more nervous. And now he's he seems to be a lot more consistent. So, But I always, as soon as he finishes, I watch. And as soon as he finishes, I send him a text and I go, great open, really good material, great presentation. And, that, and then there's occasional times where I'll just say, you you know you you seemed a little tired you weren't maybe as projecting as enthusiastic you maybe need to punch it up a little bit and you and he'd say yeah I am tired and I'd say okay because I know from broadcasting myself and I'm not a broadcast my kids are a thousand times better broadcaster than I am I was never a professionally trained broadcaster but I also know how easy it is to especially when you're on the air multiple times a week where you kind of get into a comfort zone, and yep. if you're tired that day, you don't realize you're tired, and you just kind of, so you go to do your, your material, and you think it sounds perfectly fine, but anybody who would know you say, a little subdued there, and then you say, yeah, I'm a little tired. Okay, well, you know, part of being on television is you exaggerate, you know, you're, you, you project. You guys know it from, from doing it. If you, if you just talk in a normal voice when you're on television, people will think you're talking like this <laughs> instead. Yeah. Is it uh, harder, and I asked this before we hit record, back to you know your early start in the early days where everything was kind of the Canadian press came over the wire and you didn't have the social yeah. media. Was it easier, and would you go back and rather have it that way than now with your phone always there's, dinging? There's actually part of me that, that misses the old days. Because back then it was it was different. You, you know, your work couldn't get you 24-7. Right. Uh, you know, people didn't have phones, and it, nobody would understand the – prior to the internet, how difficult it was to, you know, the big thing hockey writers used to do, they'd have Sunday note column or a Saturday notes column. And what they would do is they would gather information a little bit on Monday, a little bit on Tuesday, a little bit on Wednesday, a little bit on Thursday, and they'd write it on Friday and put it in for Sunday. And, and now the notion of taking information from other cities or teams and people not having seen it people wouldn't understand that now but you you literally would pick up a notes column and read the notes column and you would it would all be news to you 
because you just didn't know what was going on in those other cities. There was no, you know, the wire was there if it was really big news, but a lot of the stuff would, would fall through the cracks. And there's got to be a sense of pressure nowadays for you to try to, of course, break the news, to be the first one out there. But I know a lot of times, like even here in the office, we'll read something and we'll go, well, who tweeted it? Was it Bob? Like, you know, like until it comes from somebody like yourself, it's not, you know, official. Well, you want to break news. You want to be first, but you want to be right. And more importantly than breaking news and being first and never more important than being right. But you also today, the, the victories on a scoop today are so fleeting that they're almost insignificant. Right. Because... Every, you know, 30 seconds later, it's there. Before, it used to be you would have the information and nobody else would be able to get that information and they didn't have a vehicle to compete with that information. So if you had a newspaper story or you were going on radio or television, it was yours and your competitors would be there and they'd be like, oh, um, our deadlines are gone. I can't get that in my newspaper or I'm not on the air right now. I'm not in the studio. Um you know, there was no internet. So, and then it would take that person a long time to confirm that information. And now everything is instantaneous, literally seconds after you have it, somebody else has it. And so it's, it's a hollow victory sometimes to have that. You need to be able to not only break the story, have it first, have it right. I actually have it right, have it first, but then you've got to explain what it means. So it's not enough to say that this guy got traded. Well, why did he get traded? And what's the ramifications in terms of the salary cap? And what's the ramifications in terms of the other roster and who's getting sent down? And what does this mean now for the trade deadline? And what ripple effect is there? So you need to know all that other stuff. And that's that's where you get sort of your reputation for have being able to think a little more globally. I've always wanted to ask this, and this has always been something that has always bothered me. When there's a rumor out there, or when you're looking for information, it is, is it as simple as a guy like you or Darren Dreger just pulling up your phone, typing in Kyle Dubas and saying, hey, what's the story here? Is that... Um, sometimes. Some, there are times where, where especially, especially if you see something, and especially if you think, I don't know, that, that doesn't seem right. And you'll go to the principals involved, whether it's a general manager, a coach, a player, an agent, whatever the case may be, and you'll say... People are reporting this or people are saying this. And sometimes they'll say, well, that's fine, whatever. I'm not going not yeah. to comment or whatever. Um, but sometimes, they, a lot of times they will say, no, it's complete and utter, not, not true at all. Zero truth to it. But then you got to say to yourself, so now somebody suggested something, didn't really report it. In fact, they've just suggested it. Is it my job to say, oh, it's, it's, you know, that's not accurate? And more often than not, I would say it's not because that's they're saying it. If it happens, great, they're right. Yeah. And and there is a part of you that says, what what is there for me to gain here? If I say, yeah, I've uh, talked to the principals involved and there's zero truth to that. And then two days later it happens. You look like an idiot. <laughs> the guy who said it is ticked off at you because you've, you know, pulled the rug out from underneath him and, and, you know, sort of made an attack on his credibility. So I just say everybody's responsible for what they do and they either get credit for it or they get criticism for it. So 
you know, Bob, we can sit here for a while. I know we're already past our timer. I just want to say you have had a whirlwind day from the travel. So for you to get here to do the speech, help raise money uh, for the education fund, and then to spend over 12 minutes with me and Crow <laughs> talking on the Week King podcast, I just want to really thank you for your time. Uh, it's all right. It's all fun. It's all good. One last question. Jay and Dan... Ray Ferrar, Darren Dreger, they're always making funny, uh, poking about the cottage and the margarita yeah. machine. Yeah. The kids are involved. They're in never it. getting the invites. When yeah. you get Dan to, doesn't get the invite. <laughs> when you get to the cottage, does your wife ever say to you, put that phone away, or what's the rule oh, yeah. of the cottage? Well, what's well the yeah, I mean, you know, we've had lots of fights. Over, there's been a lot of matrimonial discord <laughs> over use of phones on weekends, nights, summer, whatever. But I'm honestly, you know, I'm, I'm taking a big step back. My, right. my, my contract, my main contract expires. I've got a new one, but from sort of a quasi uh, workload, probably 30, 35% of what I was doing before. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to getting rid of the phone, to be honest with you. That's, and I, I do like 18 to 20 radio hits a week. Um, all across Canada, and part of my new gig starting next season is I won't be doing them, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. I imagine your wife is as well. But again, I, like Chris said, thanks for doing this. Uh, you're uh, just a, 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 a huge part of this. I, I know the the community uh, enjoys it. The players are, are going to th- you know remember this for a long time. A lot of them grew up watching you, and I know so did I. So this well, was awesome. And I was really excited to hear about your future plans. I knew you signed the new contract, but just to hear the fact that you weren't on your way out and you get to kind of do still what you want to do and still do all the big Yeah, I'm looking forward to the World Juniors and the draft rankings. World Juniors and trade deadline and draft rankings. It wouldn't be the same without Bob McKenzie, right? If there was no Bob in that, it's not even worth watching. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Bob. Awesome, boys. Thanks for having me on. You know, I didn't want to fanboy when we were doing that, but I almost felt like I was GNU just because it was almost intimidating to sit with Bob McKenzie after, I mean, watching him since I was a kid on TV give me the most trusted hockey news. Yeah, and I've always felt like since I started with the Brandon Weekings, I've had a chance to, you know, I, I've been in NHL rinks, I've been in NHL locker rooms, I've been around players, you know, I, you know I've interviewed Sidney Crosby, and I never really got that kind of giddy boyish feeling but for whatever reason sitting down with Bob I just kept thinking to myself man how many Christmases did I sit there playing mini sticks in my basement while he talked World Juniors on the TV and it was just really cool definitely a highlight for me uh, we could have kept going on for for hours but he was a, a great addition to this year's Sportsman's Dinner and uh, you know really looking forward to to watching him as the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, get going here and speaking of playoffs we're down to the wire in the Western Hockey League. And you look at that East Division pennant race, basically four teams in it. You mentioned to me before we started, normally it's a battle for teams to get into the playoffs. Realistically now, it's just a battle for positioning in the playoffs. There's not as much of that outside teams trying to get in. It's more of a team trying to get home ice or trying to just move up a couple of spots. Right, yeah. And, I mean, some years, like, it's only maybe two teams who are battling for that last spot. But it seems like there's always some kind of a race where this year, unless Red Deer goes on some kind of, you know, miraculous run, uh, realistically, this is now just fighting for playoff positioning within the divisions. Uh, and, and with how close it is and looking at the remaining games, we were kind of breaking it down. You know, Of course, looking you know, at not just the weekend schedule, but looking at PA, looking at Winnipeg, and even looking at Saskatoon, because the team that uh, right now, just behind the Wheat Kings, uh, they they have probably the most favorable schedule going forward by the looks of it. Yeah, they moved into a tie with Brandon, 59 points right now. Uh, they played a couple of games this weekend. Brandon right. only had the one. But, you know, if you look at Saskatoon, they got 16 games left, 13 of them against East Division teams. But of their 16 games, only nine of them are against teams currently in the playoff picture. So, you know, that's pretty much half of their games are 
against teams that are outside the playoff picture. They've got Swift Current. Uh, they've got Regina a couple of times. Uh, actually, they got Regina four more four times, times, right? Yeah, yeah four games. And, and that's not knocking those teams. I mean, Regina took them to a shootout on the weekend, but realistically, nine of their 16 are against playoff teams. Winnipeg, they've got 17 games left. For them, nine of them are on the road. And how about this? They've got they got to go to Swift Current. They play back-to-back in Lethbridge, then to Medicine Hat. Then they come home to Winnipeg to take on Edmonton, then go back out on the road through Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, and Moose Jaw. They have a very tough travel schedule. So they go to Saskatchewan, Alberta for a handful of games, back to Winnipeg for one, then back to Alberta for another three or four. They have a very tough tough. travel schedule. Ten of their 17 are against playoff teams. PA, 15 games left. Ten of them are against uh, playoff teams, 13 against the East Division, but they're at home for 10 of their final 15. So that gives them a bit of an edge at the Arthauser Center. For Brandon, 17 games left, 14 against East Division teams, 12 of the 17 are against playoff teams. Pretty even split, 8 at home, 9 on the road, uh, but 3 of the next 4 are on the road, including back-to-back against Saskatoon. And For this week, it'd be hard to argue that these aren't the most important games of the year right now. You've got Wednesday night in Saskatoon, Friday night back here against the Blades. This could be a matter of you're in second place, third place, or a wild card spot by the time Friday at midnight rolls around. All of a sudden, the intensity ramps right up. Yeah, and with them being tied. So this is a big four-point swing. Because also remember that, as of right now, you're weak king. So if, they, if they're finished in third place and they play Winnipeg, it's... A couple hours away, right? So the whole home ice thing does come into it, uh, but it's, it's only a few hours away. If they drop down and Saskatoon wins these games, the go down the second wild card because the, how strong the central is. Uh, Calgary right now pretty much has a lock on that first wild card. You're talking about going up to Edmonton for round one. There's so many. That's variables. not that's not something you want to be entertaining right now, right? So you, who are the weekends be facing? Is it Winnipeg? Is it PA? Could be Saskatoon? Could be Edmonton? There's a lot to be determined. These are some. You're right. These are the, probably the biggest points of the year this week. Certainly is, and uh, obviously uh, it all starts at Wednesday night in Saskatoon. If uh, if you're out in Saskatchewan, uh, be sure to check out the game at Sasso Center. We'll have it on Q Country uh, for you, starting with the pregame show at 7:30. Uh, we'll wrap things up. We'll quickly turn our attention to our prospect of the week before we get to our email as well. Uh, just a reminder, though, that Friday game, player card giveaway. Guild Insurance, HMS Insurance, player card giveaway night. The first 2,500 fans in attendance are going to get that free set of player trader cards. But we talk about this. The kids love it. The collectors love it. It's always a very popular night. Uh, so come on out get your set of uh, player cards. Then next Friday, before we go into that as well, just because next Friday is the big Winnipeg Blue Bomber night, and uh, there was a change. So last week we broke the news that Zach Caleros was coming, but uh, there, was a, there was an issue with the travel schedule. But now we got two Blue Bombers coming. So just so everybody knows, we got uh, offensive linemen, Stanley Bryant and Pat Newfeld. So we got two bombers coming, uh, still with the Grey Cup. And actually, if you go on to WeKings.com, you can take a look. The Grey Cup's going to actually be in Brandon for three days or four days, Thursday through Sunday. Uh, there's a whole Manitoba Grey Cup tour, and uh, tied in with our game, there's multiple stops in Brandon. So if you want to go online, check out that WeKings.com. Especially jerseys that night as well. Our prospect of the week, we're going just down the highway to Wallanisa, six foot one, almost two hundred pound Owen Harris. Uh, he came he came into camp this year after being drafted to third round, 53rd overall by Brandon. He's had a great year so far. 38 games, 3 goals, 12 assists, but he's more of a kind of a heavy grinder. I don't want to use the word grinder because they don't really exist anymore, well, but heavy power eight, forward. 88 penalty minutes. 88 penalty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's not afraid to get in there and uh, and mix it up for his team. So he is our prospect of the week. Owen Harris from Wawanisa. Uh 15 years old, obviously a late birthday, December. So uh, a young guy going to come in here. He's already got that frame filled out and uh, looking forward to see what he can do in the future. 
Every week I say we got to give out the email at the start of the podcast. <laughs> Here we go again, the very last thing we do. But if you have any uh, questions, comments, anything you want to pass along to us, uh, we would love to hear from you. You can get a hold of us on email. It's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Again, that's the letter Q, weeklyharvest at gmail.com. Once again, you can uh, recap all of these episodes. You can go back, catch the one with Kelly McCrimmon. You can hear the Dave Lowry, the Darren Richies, the Connor Gutenberg. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can also visit Q Country. Uh, the Weeking website has links to all of them as well. And, of course, we want to thank Mainline Motors again for being the first official sponsor of the Weekly Harvest. Mainline Motors, the king of trucks in Verdon and Bertel. We'll talk to you next week. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.